Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Market Adventures Podcast, where I share my journey learning to navigate the stock market, as well as tips and tricks to becoming a profitable trader in the stock market. My name is Alex Cunningham, and in this episode, we talk all about options, what they are, how do they work, and how do I make money using them. Stay tuned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So here's my disclaimer. I am not a registered investment advisor or securities broker or dealer. These are my thoughts and not advice. Seek your own education or you will lose money. Rule number four of gold from the richest man in Babylon. Gold slippeth away from the man who invests it in businesses or purposes with which he is not familiar or which are not approved by those skilled in the keep. What does that mean as it pertains to this episode? As we're talking about options, what does that mean? Money will leave you if you invest it in businesses or purposes with which you're not familiar or you're investing it in something that's not approved by those who do know how to invest the money, right? Who are skilled in its keep, right? What does that mean as it pertains to this episode? If you are not spending your time learning and educating yourself on options, you're going to lose money. Gold will slip away from you. Take the time to learn how to trade options. Now, in the show links, in the show notes, I will link an Investopedia page that's all about options. And don't stop there. Go on YouTube, go wherever you have to go, but learn and and educate yourself. Become familiar with it before you invest your gold. Now, what are options contracts? Options contracts are contracts between a buyer and a seller that offers the buyer the opportunity to buy or sell depending on the type of contract they hold, the underlying asset. Now, what does that mean? An option allows you to buy 100 shares. Um, Commonly, there are different types of option contracts, but as you will come in contact with, generally, it allows you to buy or sell a certain underlying asset. For example, if I own a options contract for Apple, I'm buying the right or selling the right to buy or sell 100 shares of Apple. That's all it is. It's the right. It's the ability to. You're not obligated to, but you have the opportunity. So if I sell you an option contract For Apple, 
I can either sell you a call or a put. And similarly, I can either buy an options contract. I can buy a call or a put. What's a call and what's a put? A call is an option contract that gives me or you the right to buy the underlying asset. And a put is the opposite. It gives me or you the right to sell the underlying asset. Now, how do you make money with this? Well, if Apple is selling at $300 and you think it's going to go up, you can buy a call option, right? You can buy an option to buy Apple at a certain price. Why would you do that? Well, if you buy it at a certain price and Apple goes above your price, now you can sell it for more. Right, you can buy Apple at the price you said you'd buy it at, and you can sell it for the market price, which has gone up. Or if you think Apple's going to go down, you can buy a put option. A put option is the right to sell. So if I think Apple's going to go down, it's if it's at three hundred now. If I have the right to sell it to somebody at three hundred, and it goes down to two ninety, even though everybody else is buying it for two ninety, I can sell it for three hundred, and I can make that profit. If you're understanding me, right, just follow along. If you don't, rewind and listen to that again. Call and put. If you can understand the call and put, that's one of the pillars of option trading. Now, when you go onto whatever platform you want to use, think or swim, TD Ameritrade, E Trade, whatever, Robinhood you're going to see some characteristics that you got to know about. You have to know about the options chain. The options chain is just a collection of all the contracts given the strike prices and expiration dates. So it's a chain, right? It's a grouping of all the options where you can see the options and see the different characteristics within the option chain itself. One key characteristic we have to know is strike price. Strike price is the price that you think the option may or may not go to. So we talk about Apple again. If Apple is selling at 300 and I buy a call, a contract that says I have the right to buy Apple, if I buy a call option for $300, if it's selling at 300 and I buy a call for 300, that means I think it's going to go up my strike price is 300 anything above my strike price i'm in the money i'm getting money now if i if i push my strike price even further and i say okay it's at 300 my strike price is 310 that means my contract my right to buy goes in the money after 310 right So strike price has nothing to do with what you're paying for it. Strike price is the uh, price where you think the stock may or may not go. And you're buying, you're selling your contracts around the strike price. Now, there's also the expiration date. Something else you you, um, decide whether or not you're going to buy your option. The expiration date is now how long you think it will take the underlying asset to get to the price that you've marked, right? So if you're, if you're buying a put, right, if you think the stock is going to go down, 
and your strike price is 290. You're determining how long you think it will take for Apple to get to 290. So you can say it's going to get there in a week, in a month, in a year, you know, in 18 months specifically. And when you're buying your options, you're looking at the strike price and the option, um, the expiration date. And all of this can be found on the options chain. Now, the next characteristic, once you've understood strike price, right? The price that you think the stock may or may not get to. Expiration date, how long it will take for it to get to that price or for it to not get to that price. Now, if you're ready to buy your option, once you've gone through your other strategies and your other criteria, you deal with the bid and the ask. What's the bid and the ask? Well, when you're asking for something, you got to get it however the person gives it to you. When you're bidding, right, when you're bidding for something, you're getting it however the person wants to sell it. So... When you're asking for something, when you're dealing with a market maker, right? The market maker is the is the company, the algorithm, the organization that is presenting the options to the market. When you want to buy a contract, again, if we keep on the, the Apple example, when you want to buy a contract, you have to pay the ask because you're asking for it. The ask is always higher than the bid. Because if you're asking for it, they're going to sell to you at a higher price. The bid is what you can sell it for. Now, if you're selling, you have to abide by who's willing to buy. That happens in any industry. If Apple is selling iPhones, Apple can set a certain price. But if no one wants to buy the iPhone at a certain price, then it won't get sold. So Apple has to bid the iPhone to whatever people are willing to pay. It just so happens that a lot of us are willing to pay $1,000. And when I say us, I mean you. I will never. But people are willing to pay $1,000 for the iPhone. So Apple has set their bid at $1,000. So they're asking the bid. So if you want to buy an option, right, you want to first understand the options chain, and what you're looking for, your criteria, you're establishing your strike price, where you think your underlying asset is going to go, how long you think it'll take to get there, and then you're determining how much money, what your budget allows for you to spend on the ask. Because it, 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 it can really hit you hard when you go to buy Apple and you really think Apple's going to move. So you buy it at, you buy the option for $10. But the market maker sets the bid at a dollar. Well, guess what? If you buy that option and you made a mistake, so you clicked it by accident, yeah, you can sell it back. But now you got to sell it back at the bid. So if you bought it for 10, now you're only selling it for a dollar. You lost $9 by not following a, a proven strategy, by not looking out for the spreads. Because the bid and the ask will always have a spread. And that spread is a difference between you making money and you losing money. So you'll have to pay attention to the bid and ask. It's very, very important. So we've gone through the characteristics. We've gone to the base, right? The call and the put. We've gone through the characteristics, which are essentially the, the, the foundation, right? The pillars. 
Now let's talk about how we can buy an option. Now, an option has three values. It has intrinsic value, time value, and what's called premium. Now, premium is how much you're paying for the contract. It's made up of two values. So time value and intrinsic value make up the premium. In addition to some other things, right? Time value is how much time do you have till maturity? So if I own Apple, if I own a contract, a call option on Apple, we'll use calls because it's easier for people to understand how to use a call. If I have a call option on Apple and Apple's at 300, my call option is for 310. My contract will be worth a lot more if I have an entire year for Apple to get there, right? Because, I mean, more time gives you more opportunity for them to come up with a new iPhone, for them to open a new store, whatever. And for it to go from 300 to 310, that time value, how much time I have, is inside of my contract, right? Now, then if you're doing the 300 to 310 thing again, and you only have a week, well, now that's a lot less value in that contract for someone to want to buy because if you only have a week for it to go from 300 to 310, that's a lot less likely than an entire year. Now, the next value, which is very important to understand both of these, is intrinsic value. Intrinsic value is how much money is actually inside the contract. So, Intrinsic value is if I own a contract at for 300 and I think it's going to go to 310 and I have a year. If it gets to 310 tomorrow, right? Anything above that is called intrinsic value. That means I'm in the money. Right? Again, I n, right? The prefix for intrinsic I n in. So, if I have a contract that says it's going to go to 310, a call option, and it goes to it's at 312 now the difference between 310 and 312 is my intrinsic value that's two dollars of value now as you'll understand when if you watch my stock market course you'll really understand this a little bit better but two dollars of value is really two hundred dollars of value why because two dollars on one individual stock or share of stock an option gives you control of 100 of those shares. So $2 on one times 100 is 200. So if I own a call option at 310 and, it, and the current price for a share of Apple is at 312, I own $2 worth of value. And then any, any other uh, cost for the contract on top of that is time value, right? If I own dollars of intrinsic value already and I have another year then I'm going to have a lot of time value on top of that contract so that contract is now worth 200 plus time value right now if I only have a day and I'm $200 in the money right or $2 in the money then I have less time value on that contract because the time's about to run out but I own intrinsic value now, again, if you don't understand that, repeat it, repeat it, listen to it again, rewind it, listen to it again, go to Investopedia, to the link I posted, click on the link, 
look at it, read it, read it over it. You want to understand it. Because remember, gold slippeth away from something you're not familiar with. Get familiar with it. Remember, premium is how much you're paying for the contract. So premium is a combination of time value and intrinsic value, right? You're going to pay. If, I, if I'm buying a contract on Apple for $310 and it's at $312, I'm paying that intrinsic value. I have to pay for it because it's already in the contract. I'm paying that in the premium. And I'm also paying whatever time is left on the contract. I'm paying for that time value as well. Right. Premium is how much you're paying for the contract. And the premium is this is determined by how much time is left and how close to being in the money the contract is or how far in the money the contract is. Now, let's go on to how. OK, so now that we understand how the contracts are priced, we understand how we read the option chain and what exactly we're looking at. Okay, so how do I find contracts to buy so I can make that intrinsic value and time value and make some money? Okay, I'm going to tell you how I find contracts. Now, how you should, how I find options contracts. Okay, so the first thing I do is I look at the underlying price action. If the price action of the underlying asset, ABC stock, if ABC stock or XYZ stock is going up, I understand the underlying price action is moving up, right? It's increasing, right? So now I'm looking at my options and I'm deciding whether or not I want to be on the front side or the back side. Do I think that the underlying price action is going to turn around? Do I see do I see clues and hints that it's turning around and I want to buy a put that says it's going to go down? Or can I find a cheap option, right, with a low premium that... I can buy to follow the current price action, okay? Do I think the price action is going to reverse or do I want to follow the current trend? So I'm looking at the underlying price action. Now, the next thing I do, and this one is super important, a lot of people don't look at this, is the history of movement for the stock. Is this stock a fast mover or is it a slow mover, right? Historically, something like utilities, the utility sector generally has a lot of slow-moving stocks. The tech sector, however, the tech sector generally has a lot of fast-moving stocks. Um, if you look at biotechs, bio like pharmaceutical companies, they're generally slow movers, but they have a history of making erratic movements based on whether or not their drugs get approved. If their drugs get approved, they can move a lot in one day, in a few minutes. You want to understand the history of the stock you're dealing with. So you want to start out with a small watch list and spend a couple months learning how the stocks move on your watch list. This is going to take time, but you're building a relationship. You're building a, a an understanding, right? So for me, an example is I was in love with AT&T stock a while back. Right? That's a mistake. Don't fall in love with a stock because the stock doesn't love you back. You want to learn about it. AT&T is a slow mover. Historically, I thought it should move at a certain speed. And I was buying contracts based on my opinion. Your opinion doesn't mean a damn thing in the market. Right? Your feelings. Right? Understand how the stock moves. Because if you don't, you'll be like me and waste money in a stock that doesn't move fast. 
and you're buying contracts with a little bit of time, which means I'm losing all my money in premium. Okay, now the next thing you want to do is once you understand the underlying price action, once you understand how the stock moves, you have to decide is your goal to get in the money, is your goal to get intrinsic value, to get um, to get money based on your contract going in the money, or are you trying to, or or am I trying to get a momentum flip? For example, if AMD right, which is a is a tech sector stock, moves particularly fast, moves particularly fast, do I want to buy AMD to get in the money or do I want to make money off of the momentum? Like how fast is this stock moving and can I get a lot of time value out of it because other people think it's going to get in the money, right? That's the next thing. It's a game. I can make money on either the momentum of the stock or getting in the money. Now, something that I use uh, in addition to understanding whether or not I want to go in the money or if I want momentum, right? Understanding the price action and the history of the movement is understanding my percentages. Right. If I personally, my belief, cannot advise, my belief is that the stocks that I watch can move 7% in two weeks. So when I'm buying my contracts, if I'm buying a call or a put, I if I can't find something that's very close to the money or in the money for a price that I'm willing to pay, I will risk a buying a contract with an expiration date two weeks out or more if I can get something within 7%. Now, I've had a lot of of success with this. Now, generally, when I buy my contracts, I want more time. I want a month or two months or something like that. Also, depending on how fast the the underlying asset moves. But for me and my history and my success so far, if I can get a contract for a price that I'm willing to pay, that's at least, that's around 7% or less out of the money. If I can get one for an expiration date two weeks away, generally those for me are winners. Because in two weeks, my uh, contract, my underlying asset, the price will move uh, above my strike price. And that gives me a little bit of time left, right? So in those in those type of plays with the 7%, I'm not making a lot of money intrinsically but I'm making time value because I'm getting there a lot faster and I still have a little bit of time. So those are like quick flips to make a little bit of money. You're not making a ton of money doing that, right? I'm not, but I'm getting closer to the money. So that's for like my short flips on on momentum, some volatility. Um, If I know something's gonna happen, like uh, earnings, stock splits, et cetera, that my 7% rule has been pretty successful for me. Now, Who's providing the con- providing the contracts? Remember, I mentioned market makers before. Market makers again are the algorithms, the computers. Those are the people that are creating the contracts for us to buy. They're also the ones who are buying the contracts back from us. So when we do the bid and the ask, the market maker makes those uh, price determinations based on what other traders are doing. So if you and I say we're on the opposite side of a trade, 
if I'm willing to buy a contract at this price and you're willing to buy it at this price, if I own the contract, right, I can sell it back to the market maker and the market maker can sell it to you. Right. So that's how they're determining the bid and ask. If I'm only willing to pay twenty five dollars for something and you pay thirty dollars for it. Well, then when you sell it, you're going to sell for twenty five. But the market maker is still going to ask me to pay a little bit higher for it because they're not going to let me buy it for what they bought it for. They always want to make their money. Right. And that's what that spread is. So the market maker makes their money based on the spreads. For the most part, or you buying contracts that go worthless and they make their money on the ask in that in that in that sense. But um, what you're gonna understand is those algorithms are set to move in a certain way and react in a certain way. So in your education, you want to take some time to understand how the algorithms work. The best way to do that is to paper trade. The best way to do that is to practice because you can read as much as you want. But the reality of it is, when you're actually in the game and seeing it move real time, you have a better understanding of how the market makers price their contracts. And that will in turn determine how you can pay for your contracts and make your money and how much money, how profitable you can be and how much risk you're putting on the table. Right. When there's a lot of volatility, the market makers tend to price things and increase the spreads. Because if they don't know where the stock is going, they got to make sure they make their money. So, for example, if you go out there and you see an ask for 180 and a bid for 20, right, a dollar 80, and you see a bill for 20 cents, stay away from that. Because you go and buy that for 180 because the market maker doesn't know how much volatility is in the market, right? Because the market the the market maker will literally not know. And will increase the spreads on all their contracts because they don't want to lose money either. Right. If they're increasing their spreads and you see something like that, you don't want to jump in on the ask side. Because, again, if you're buying at the ask or you're buying anywhere in the middle, right, say the ask is 180, but you can buy for 160, whatever. Look at the bid, because if you, whatever you buy it for, remember, you can only sell it at the bid. Right. That those are the dangers. You can lose all your money very quickly. You can put in $20 or $100. If you don't look at the bid before you buy, you can lose your money very quickly. Stocks can be very, very volatile. And options, being derivatives of stocks, move way faster than stocks do. Right? There's a lot more emotion involved in options. There's a lot more volatility in options. You can lose your money very quickly. Now, I generally like options because you have a set amount you can lose, your original investment, right? But you, there are ways, right, different techniques where you can lose more than your original investment. One example of that is debit spreads. You can lose more than you originally invested by doing spreads and other types of techniques. Now, does it mean don't do them? No. I use debit spreads. I use credit spreads. But I understand the risk. I understand that if I put in $20, I can end up losing $100. But I also build a strategy around these things to mitigate and under, and, and make sure that my, my risk is measurable and understandable. And I know ways to get out of my risk. Right. I know I know ways how to take the profit out before I end up losing my original investment or more than my investment. But options are very fast. 
But that's what makes it exciting. That's what makes this stock market. This that's what makes it an adventure, right? It's not a stroll. It's an adventure because it's exciting. There's a lot of things that can happen, and when you learn the game, you can really have fun doing this, while also making money on your efforts, right? Now, to find some other ways to make money in the stock market, uh, see episode four, ways to make money in the stock market. And check out my stock market course where I talk a little bit more about um, options. I show some examples on how to actually trade them. So if you want to see what the option chain looks like and how someone navigates it, check out my stock market course. That'll be in the uh, show notes. And a new section for this week is called the trade of the week. Now, my trade of the week is going to be my trade last week that I'm going to detail for you. My trade was on Slack. Right now, their ticker symbol is work, right? Work Slack is a video conferencing software, which obviously has gone up because of these COVID-19. Now, the contract I bought on Monday last week on the 19th on the um, what day was Monday on Monday last week on the 15th, I bought a call option, a 34 strike price call option for 30 cents. The expiration day was that Friday. I bought it on Monday. The expiration day was that Friday, the 19th. Again, risky because there's not a lot of time there. I bought a 34 call, which means I think the the, uh, underlying asset is going to get to 34 by the end of the week. And I bought that for 30 cents or $30, right? Because we multiply every time times 100. I also bought a 33.5, $33.50 call option for the same price. How did I do that? Well, I bought 34 call. A couple minutes later, the, the stock actually came down. So I was able to get a little bit closer to the money by buying a 3350 call. I believe work was at $31 that day. So again, the price of the stock went down and I bought a cheaper, uh, I bought a, a close to the money call option f- for the same price. All right. So now I own two call options, one for $34, one for $33.50. Both for $30. So my initial investment is $60. Now, on Tuesday, the next day, I sold my 34 call, the one that was further out the money by 50 cents. I sold that for $36. Now, that's a 20% uh, profit. Now, $6 over the course of a day, not a lot of money, right? But 20% is the percentage we want to focus on. Because if I had put in $100, I would have made $20. And vice versa. As you scale up, that percentage is what really matters. And, and, I'll, and I'll explain that a little bit more later. Now, on Thursday, right, the day before it expired, or, or three days later from the day I bought it, I sold my 3350 called option for $80. Now, I bought both of them for 30 One I sold for 36 for a $6 increase. One I sold for 80 for a $50 increase. Now, again, not a lot of money. But I want you to understand percentages. The one I sold for $36, I bought for 30. I sold the next day for 36. That was 20%. The one I bought on Monday and sold on Thursday, the 3350 call option was 167%, which means I not only doubled my money, I increased it by, I believe, 2.5, right? I spent $30 and I made $80, right? 167% is 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 okay. It's good, 
right? But understand, you see those differences, 20% versus 167%. I really wanted you guys to, to hear this and understand it. You want to keep testing new strategies, right? I ha- I had never previously, had never watched work or Slack, right? A lot of these, these communications I really didn't bother with because they, until now, I didn't see a need for teleconferencing until the coronavirus pandemic. But work or Slack, as it is, Slack Technologies is a new ticker for me, a new asset for me to understand. So I'm learning how Slack moves based on volatility and time and different factors. So those are the reasons why I bought these contracts and I only bought one of each, right? Because I'm testing this this underlying asset. And remember, I mentioned to you, it's important to understand how the asset moves. So not only did I look at the history, I jumped into it to understand how it moves. Now, you want to keep testing new strategies. Again, had I 10x these trades, right, I bought a few more contracts of each, I would have put on the table a couple hundred dollars and made several hundred or even thousands, you know, thousands of dollars I could have made because it's 167%, right? So anything I had put in, to that trade, I could have multiplied it by 167%, right? Or if you combine the two, almost 200%. Again, in options, 167% is not a big, big increase, but that just shows the power of how much money I can multiply in the course of only three or four days or one or two days, depending on how fast the underlying asset moves, right? So this is what I want you to learn, right? These three steps before you get to the ultimate one, right? You want to learn. So what did I, why did I buy these contracts? Why did I buy them at $30? Why did I buy only one of them? Why did I sell one so quickly and for only 20% increase? You want to learn, right? You want to learn how the stock moves based on the, the news or just generally without any news or volatility, whatever. You want to understand how the stock moves. You want to learn how you want to enter the trade, right? I bought a call option. I could have sold a call option. I could have sold a put. I could have bought a put. I could have done a strangle, a butterfly, any of those things. I could have done a lot of different strategies. I want to learn how I want to adjust the trade. Next, you want to test, right? Like I did like I did in this t- trade of the week. I tested these strategies. And then I want to perfect it. So now that I understand how work moves, I want to perfect the way I trade work based on the broader market movement. And once I learn and I test and I perfect, quote unquote, right? Because there is no perfect. But once I, I have a very good understanding of my strategies, then I can scale up. Then I turn the $60 I originally invested, then I turn that 60 into 600 in the course of two or three days. Then I turn that 60 into 6,000 in the course of a month, right? Then I scale up. Learn, test, perfect, scale up. Learn, test, perfect, then you scale up. Right? Remember, gold slippeth away from a man or woman who invests it in business or purposes which he is not familiar. Right? Learn and test, or which are not approved by those skilled in its keep. Be skilled. Right? This is approved by everybody who makes money in the world. People approve the stock market. So we don't have to worry about that, but we have to learn and test, right? We have to become familiar. We want to perfect 
and then we want to scale up and make our money. So that's it for this episode. You've been listening to the Market Adventures podcast. Again, my name is Alex Cunningham, and I hope you learned something. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. But most importantly, share the show with friends and family you think need to hear this information. Because the more we reach, the more people we can free. Until next time, happy trading.